another episode of not your average operator with me paul mellon mcfadden i know those words i sort of i sort of say them most weeks with <laughs> with the intro and i get some stupid looks from the guys you know you just gotta push through sometimes when you're dealing with a pack of idiots it's not because of the intro yeah. it's just because we have to look at you <laughs> <laughs> so mike yeah, how you, you doing man how's your how's your week been uh it's been pretty good man i i'm in a pretty good mood i know we were talking about it before but it's been a great mood, man. It's just one of those, uh, one of those times you're just grateful. You know, I spent some time, uh, over the weekend talking to some of my good buddies that I work with just about football and like everyday things, but man, it's just in a really good spot. Like they've been busting their butt a lot at work and, uh, it's, it's a good environment, man. That's all I can say. You know, it's a lot of positive energy, lots of good attitudes, and that's all you can ask for. It's, it's, Things are good. Things are good. That's a great descriptor. How about you there, man in the cleaning cupboard? <laughs> yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to underscore what uh, Mike just said. And um, foosball is the devil. But aside from that, it's, it's pretty good, man. I'm just uh, kind of waking up from work. Had a long, a long sortie, if you will, the other night. So, um, good though just kind of like what mike said man uh family's healthy i have i'm grateful i'm always grateful i always try to be grateful so you know it takes a lot to knock me off my my axis i like it and uh a lot of that's also given by the people you're surrounded with right like when you've got a team i know we're gonna we're gonna be you've you've read the show notes you know what the topic is tonight we're talking about professionalism and uh definitions and how it shows up, but when you've got that professional team around you and you're, uh, you're putting in a shift with people that you respect and everyone's doing their piece, oh, that there's real satisfaction in doing that, right, Tio? So I'm assuming that's something to do with how you're in a good mood after a, a really good mission with your men. Yeah, absolutely. A thousand percent, man. Um, yeah, I, I would. that's probably the best way to put it. You know, when you have a great crew and the mission is good and – everyone comes back in one piece. That's, you know, it's hard to not walk away with a smile on your face, right? Like that sense of accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. And I know uh, a lot of Mike's uh, good mood and banter and joviality. I mean, I found out this morning he's got teeth, you know, normally he's just got a grimace on his face, but he's been. <laughs> I know that that is, he was just feeling us, you know, that's got to do with the crew that he's been working with and uh, getting positive feedback from people that you respect and that having that, that crew, that team that you're working with, I really add, it changes the whole thing, right? Is it, is, am I reading that right, Mike? Yeah. It, so before we were talking about, uh, we started this, uh, you know, I, I asked Melon, I said, dude, what if I came up to you? And I was like, Melon, today, dude, you're not being very professional. And his immediate response is, you know, I was kind of being funny about it, like just to have a discussion, but Melon was just like, well, I would probably go sit in a room quiet somewhere and really think about that because that would bother me because he understood. Yeah, that'd be of What's that? Yeah. That's a hall of mirrors moment. That's like go and sit and stare at yourself and really think about what you've been doing. If someone's come down and you're like that, like that is a horrendous um, judgment to receive. Yeah. 
And what we were talking about, just uh, I, I've really say <laughs> this a lot, but really put in the work at work with my guys to uh, become professionals, to become better instructors and teachers and teammates, like all encompassing. It's not just one title. And they've put in the work and have the buy-in and everything else, man. And everything that I've been hearing from this past week is really going to lead up to a lot of even better stuff this week. And I'm honestly excited about it just because, man, I, I, I got to admit, I'm, pr- I'm proud of them too. You know, it's just, it's great to walk into a room and have true professionals that understand what that really means. And, and you know, we're going to talk about some of that today, but really what it really means. And these guys just take a hold of it and embrace it and run with it. And when, yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's a great energy when you walk in and you, you see true professionals around you. I know Tio Raff knew one of my mates and an Aussie instructor lived across the road from me, Bart. Bart. He's straight up. Just legend status. That guy. Shout out to Bart. Yeah. Old Heath Bartlett. He was a, a Hornet instructor when I was a cadet and uh, he knows a thing or two about a thing or two. And he had a really good quote. It was um, praise from the praiseworthy is high praise indeed. So rather than getting a throwaway line from someone, you know, and you're like, yeah, good, good. Thanks, mate. Good. I'll get on with my day. When someone that you really respect uh, gives you positive feedback, it's on a whole nother level and it doesn't need to be a lot and it resonates in a different way. Yeah. And maybe that's, maybe that's sort of your experience, Mike, where you got such a big frigging shit eating grin on your face today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so, man. Maybe so. No, that's, that's good. Um, so I, I know before, I know before we start off the, the thing, we had a few questions from a, a few special listeners. Is that true? That's, that's actually quite true. There's a couple of special listeners who listen to all the episodes and they engage in quite a bit of banter with me and they're young members of the household and they're working on their professionalism uh, and doing their best in their day. Michael went off and did his shift delivering pizzas on uh, Friday night for uh, the Anal Bandit across the road with Pizza Pizza. And uh, these two have drafted up a couple of um, questions for us. So we thought we'd just kick off a bit of a quick fire start and then we'll do a bit of a deeper dive into professionalism. So the first question was, what jobs did you do before you joined the military? <laughs> this is good. This is really good. Uh, I'll, I'll go real quick. Okay. <sighs> All right. So I was 16 years old and my best friend, John, was working at an amusement park called Kennywood. I don't know if anybody, Western Pennsylvania, you've probably heard of it. And uh, it was only around Halloween time. So it was about a month and a week, month and two weeks, whatever. Right? Uh, he's like, dude, do you want to come work with me? And I was like, yeah, working at an amusement park, make like, you know, a couple hundred bucks in a month. And, you know, you have my first, you know, my first paycheck it was my first job, mind you. And I was like, with my best friend, I was like, yes, let's, let's do this. So long story short, man, me and my best friend got to dress up for these things called Phantom Fright Nights, where you would basically, (laughs) I was a 10 foot tall monster in this PVC pipe frame with this black garb all over me and stuff and hanging off to look like this demon. 
And I literally got paid eight fifty an hour to just sprint and chase people all night in a 10 foot tall costume with my best friend. And we would just switch out every hour and we just had the time of our life. And it's so funny when people look at me now and then, you know, my job and all the stuff that I've done. And they're just like, man, you must have like a really like interesting childhood growing up. I'm like, yeah, man, it was, it was pretty dark. And I'm like, what do you mean dark? Well, I was a 10 foot tall monster for a couple of years. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was actually my first job and my only job outside of the military. So Michael is going to love that answer. <laughs> God, that explains so much, doesn't it? Does it? I think so. It puts, oh so, it puts so much into perspective about Mike now. <laughs> yeah. Melon, what's, what's your uh, first jobs when you were a wee melon so first job was um it was uh working at macca's in uh brighton <laughs> which is mcdonald's cooking yeah. up burgers and uh serving them up was, i was actually down there with my younger brother for i don't know a couple of months when i was about 15 i reckon and yeah. uh then when i was when i was at uni you guys fancy it up and call it college. We just call it uni in Australia. I was, um, I might be a shock to both of you guys, but I was doing a little bit of security at nightclubs, <coughs> assisting people, <out> the, <laughs> assisting people, assisting people to make better selections in their life late in the night. Now that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, did, uh, d- did your brother do it also? Or is it just you? No, <laughs> no, no, it's just me. Oh, God, because I could not imagine walking into a bar and seeing the McFadden brothers just staring at me. <laughs> I would not want to be a patron in that establishment. Yeah. Oh yeah. Some, funny, some funny nights, man. Really some funny nights. Yeah. Oh, God. Hey, yeah, you're built for it, man. That's for sure. And this is probably at the peak of your rugby career. So uh, you're just looking to tackle people, weren't you? I mean, you're just, <laughs> I could just see you just like looking at just hoping people would instigate something. Well, it wasn't the biggest. It was it was like a crew with some really top top end powerlifters, and uh, yeah, let's just say it was a fairly rough area of Melbourne, Frankston, and uh, like a bit of a I don't know, I don't want to cast aspersions there, but it was definitely a fairly rough crowd. And at about two a.m., it was time to take your watches and any other uh, items off that might get torn off, and uh, things yeah. normally got a bit loose, as you could imagine. Yeah, I call that being surrounded by barracuda because, you know, whenever something sh- shiny's on your person, barracudas, when you're diving, start surrounding you. You run the risk of missing fingers. <laughs> how, how about you? How about you there, uh, Raph? What was your what was your early jobs or job? Um, so my first job ever, I think I was 10. And my dad took me to the uh, strawberry fields that his company owned at the time and literally dropped me off and gave me like a little like a little, in Spanish is called a charola, but it's just like a little metal bucket. And uh, yeah, dude, I picked strawberries and uh, I didn't get paid. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, just, I just picked strawberries and then I would, there was like, you know, aunties or uncles that I would, you know, I'd call them aunties and uncles and just older people. And I would just put my little bucket of strawberries into their little carton. And uh, then I realized I wasn't getting paid and my motivation like spiraled way, way down. Um, so you're effectively yeah. making Nikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but a child labor. 
Yeah. And then my first like proper job uh, where I wasn't being extorted was um, working at a drive-in theater. I was, uh, you know, like every, like on Sundays, it was like a swap meet. And on the weeknights, it was just a drive-in theater. So, you know, collect the tickets, you know, pick up trash, sweep, whatever. Work uh, heating up hot dogs. That's why I don't, to this day, I won't eat a hot dog. Cause yeah. Anyway. You say behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is one of those drive-ins, right? So people just, they're in their cars. Yeah. You've seen the lips and assholes going into the bun. You're, uh, you're cured of yeah. that. Mellon knows what's in it because when he was a bouncer, he would he would take the bad people away and have them grind it up into into some Aussie hot dogs. So he knows. Oh, I thought I thought you were gonna say it's because he drank the hot dog juice. <laughs> Probably. Oh, oh god. So there you go. You got a pretty good collection here. You got the Phantom Fright Night. You got a bit of bouncing, and you got a drive through drive drive through drive in worker with with a little bit of a child labor. <laughs> yeah, child labor. Well, they, yeah. you, you heard it here first, guys. So, you know, you've all got to start somewhere and no doubt everyone else has got a, a few funny stories from first jobs. So do we want to kick off now? Do we want to just get into the, the main topic? You do want another second question? Yeah, all right. Let's dive in, hey? So professionalism. Uh, you came up with a topic, Mike. What are your thoughts here? Where do you want to take this? Yeah, so... I've had a lot of discussions in uh, business sector uh, with the NFL, also also with like military people, you know, and just having good conversations like this. And you sit around in the platoon space or in the office or it's just hanging out, having a f- couple beers or frothies, you know. And uh, like I said, if I was to come up to you and I said, hey, man, you're, you know, you're just very professional. And I respect you. And, you know, how do you do that? Or I came up to you and was like, you're not being very professional right now. I think a lot of people would take it a lot of different ways, but you really, I always ask this question. I was like, what does being a professional mean? And I've gotten a lot of different answers. Uh, Military people will tell you one uh, private sector and like business, like they'll tell you one. And then like even guys, younger guys in the NFL, you know, for example, that just my personal experience, they all tell you different stuff. Um, by definition, when you look at it, is you are being paid to be the expert in a certain profession, so a job. Um, that is why you're being paid to learn how to be the best at a certain skill or a certain job or title, whatever it is. And you look at these people, you look at people in the military, like, why do you get paid? You look at the pilots, you look at um, you know, again, sports, sports players, it's just like, why are you getting paid so much? Well, you, you got to look at it as, as what it is. You're being paid to be the best at what you do. And I always ask because I listen to a lot of debriefing. I listen to a lot of conversations that happen in these groups. And when you hear the people that think they know it all, that they'll never admit they're wrong. They don't want to take the time to learn something. They were like, nope, I already got my way. This is how it's going to be. And it's not going to change. Even when things evolve and you have to change. Um, it's, it's a real problem, you know, and, and you got to go back to that definition of being a professional. And to me with a lot of, uh, well, before I get it, go ahead, ref. 
Yeah, I think you just highlighted the biggest difference between being being really, really, really good at something and being a professional. Because just because you're, you know, a top tier anything, that has nothing to do with professionalism. I, I mean, that just means that you're really good at whatever that craft is. Right. And I think, I mean, you literally just defined what what it is like like you were talking about like someone who's really good at something and they're just kind of set in their ways and they're not honest with themselves and they're and they're just you know they maybe they don't have ethics or you know they're hard to deal with well okay you've literally transitioned from being a professional to someone who's just happens to be good at this this thing that we do but you're you're not professional like because professionalism has to do with being humble and being a quiet professional supporting others being honest not only with yourself but being honest with your teammates um, standing, you know, standing for what's right, especially when no one, when no one's looking, that sort of thing, you know, ethics. Uh, yeah. Ethics. That's a, that's a really good one. I, I do a lot of, uh, I go to training camp with some of these, you know, I talked about a little bit with Samir that we had on as a guest and we've, we've discussed these things. You know, I listen to their debriefs and what they talk about and how they, they, they talk to each other about like, Hey man, you know, for the NFL, it's just like, Hey, if you're a defensive back and you're supposed to be doing man coverage versus zone or this, that, whatever, it's just like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And you'll, you'll hear the same stuff anywhere you go, but it's always a guy trying to like talk himself out of it. You know, like you can tell the clearly he doesn't know, but he's just throwing words out there to be like, well, uh, because there's a lot of things going on in his head. One, he's like, oh, my God, I don't know. I don't want to be embarrassed. Two, he's in a room full of, like, alpha males that are trying to get the job or trying to, you know, seem like they know everything because nobody likes to be shit on, right? But he knows it's like, man, if I say the wrong thing, the guys are going to rag on me hard. And so it's just like this fear. This fear kind of sets in that you set inside your own head. And... When he finally said what he said, it was the wrong thing because he had no idea what he was talking about. And then they asked me, they're like, hey, man, what's your opinion on this? And I looked straight at him and I was like, you don't know, do you? And he just kind of looked at me like, why are you doing this to me, putting me on the spot? And I was like, dude, it's okay. Like, you know how many times I raise my hand and I'm like, hey, I don't know what we're talking about or I don't know how to do this. Can you please show me? Can you please explain it to me? Can you demonstrate this? What is the purpose behind it? What's the why? And, uh, and I just told him, I was like, dude, you want to take the time to say, Hey, I don't know this, or I'm not prepared to this. Um, because you want to take the time to learn it at that point in training, you know, in the military or football or whatever, you want to take the time to learning in that environment, not when the game's on the line and you just gave up the game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Because you didn't want to get a little uncomfortable and, and admit that you didn't know something like, man, that's, it sounds silly because it is silly just because your pride or your ego gets in the way. But that is the definition of a professional. And when I work with guys, especially in my, and what do I do? And even with you guys, you know, Raph and I work together, you can just tell that guys are being professional. And he's mentioned in the mission planning episode that we did, but he's just like, if I don't know something or I'm not sure, I'm going to go back and I'm going to double check. I'm going to make sure I understand this before we get on the helicopter and we go take off and drop these dudes off and, and, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And that's a professional to me, man. I appreciate him being honest and just laying it out there because 
I mean, he's literally living by it. What's up, Melon? That's such a good point uh, that you're raising there, Mike, for football training or military or in a business that uh, the professional is the one who can resolve the ambiguity so that before you proceed, you got a, you got a gray area. You need things to be black and white. You need to understand actions on, like Raph and I do a lot of emergency training and always having outs and planning what you do if things go bad at different stages of the mission. And there's no time to be having those questions in the middle of it. And I think you've, you've highlighted something that's really, really good for people to take away here is getting to the understanding of the why in the training stage or in the mission planning stage. That's going to enable you to make decisions then because you're not going to be able to game every single situation. We all know that. But when you've got that really clear why, you've had the humility to put your hand up and say, you know, please explain this to me. I don't understand this element in front of people that then is going to get the principle out because the why is the key part. And then other decisions are going to be able to be made on the fly. Right. And there's that's, I just think that that's an excellent point. I just wanted to really draw that out for the listeners that resolving ambiguity is a key and a professional is not afraid of looking silly in the training or mission planning stage. And the person who stays quiet at that point often is revealed you know, in the execution, the person going into the sales meeting, you didn't have the figures right and they embarrass the company or miss a sale or whatever it is, you know, in your area. So I thought that was an excellent point, Mike. Yeah. And even, you know, professionalism goes with, I think, hand in hand in leadership, you know, and there's a lot of other qualities that can blend right into it. You know, if I'm up in front of my guys and we just did a, uh, you know, we just cleared the house and I made a wrong call. I will be the first one to come back and look on, look on the out, you know, the outline of the house when we're debriefing and be like, Hey man, look, I made, I made this mistake and I want everybody to know it because, you know, it could have got one of us hurt or it led to this or whatever. And I want to let them know two things. One is that I do make mistakes that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm addressing it so I can learn from it myself on the spot. And I want them to see it and learn it as well. So when they get in that situation, they're going to be like, oh man, I remember when Mike did this and you know, they're going to remember what to do. Um, the other part of that is kind of a double-edged sword. And I know, I, I think I talked about it a long time ago, but having that honesty and coming out and being like, I don't know is really good for the individual. But then we all, I think we all know some people when you hear somebody admit that they don't know something, they're the first people to jump on your ass and be like, you're such a piece of shit. How, how couldn't you know this? You know, what's your problem? What are you even doing here? You don't understand that, you know, and they're the ones talking and yapping at the gums. But then, like you said, Melon, most of the time, they're the ones that really don't get it. And they're just kind of like, shifting the light onto you. So like people won't pay attention to them, you know, and the, the biggest lesson out of it is your environment, whether you're in an office setting, a team setting, sports setting, you need to have that open conversation about like, look, this is the culture and this is what it's going to be. If you mess up, you have every right to bring it out to the team or to the group. 
And everybody needs to accept that as a professional themselves and help that person because we're all on the same team. We always have the same goal. We, we have, you know, it's a human endeavor. Why aren't we helping each other be that as professionals, as individuals, and as a professional group? A lot of wisdom and some bombs getting thrown there. I, um, I saw a really good quote or uh, definition of professionalism from uh, Alistair Cook, who's a journalist, a British guy, worked in the US as well. A professional is someone who can do his best work when he doesn't feel like it. And there's a distinction, I think, between, we, we've talked about it a bit already, of being really good at your job. That's that's fine. I think that that's professional mastery. That's is, well, I think yeah, that's that, expected. Professional mastery is is the minimum. That's the entry gate for, for operating on, 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 at an elite level. But I really like that the professional is the one when other things are not right in your life or things are not, uh, you're not in an environment that's conducive to excellence and still being able to perform at your best and something around like you don't, when you don't feel like it. And I really think that there's something in that, you know, like when I feel great, you know, you're feeling it and you're on the rugby pitch or you're, you're feeling it in, in any endeavor and you're excelling, it can be like, yeah, great. But then there's those times when you don't feel like it. And we all know we would have friends and people, colleagues we've worked with who are fine on the good days, but on their bad days are not able to deliver. And it's the people who, when everything is not lining up to generate excellence, who can still generate it themselves. They're the ones that you want to keep. They're the ones, you know, are go-to people in uh, pressure situations. So that was Alistair Cook, a professional and someone who can do his best work when he doesn't feel like it. Yeah, I, and I, I, I like with the phrase, it, it, just real quick, it's, um, those who can do, do. Those who can't do, teach. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but I don't know, I kind of like that in the same kind of setting. Yeah, that I, I reject a lot of that. There's a follow-up one of those <laughs> who can't teach test, <laughs> those who can't do teach and those who can't teach test. And, uh, you know, I, I really think that a, a new level of understanding and mastery unfolds after you have learned how to teach something. And when you've taught it several times, I really think that you get, cause you've had to break it down in ways that are not necessarily your natural way of thinking about it to get it across for someone else. You get right. someone who's a visual learner and you're a tactile learner, or whatever it is, you say it's not going in the way you think about it and you're, like, you're still able to then give them another way and another way and another way to understand it. So I reckon there's, I reckon that's a cheap line because I would take someone who's, who's taught a course in something and I prefer to then go, you know, into mission with that guy because his understanding is going to be on another level or her understanding is going to be on another level. I love the response, man, because I totally agree. It's just something I heard and I think I sent it to you guys the other day. And I was just thinking about it and I was kind of like, ah, that don't, nah, I can't get on board. The, uh, the central flying school, which is where instructors go to learn how to become instructors, flying instructors in Australia and most militaries have a central flying school. The motto in Australia is uh, Latin. It's quid docet dicit. And it, I don't know how to say it cause I've never heard it said, but I've seen it written. It's who teaches learns is the motto of central flying school and there's something in that, I reckon, and there's there's a certain level of truth. I agree. What you got, Raf? Well, I was just going to um, kind of shed some more light on what Melon had said about the, you know, the those individuals that we come across that I mean, that 
even in the circumstance of like, you know, personally, maybe their, their house is a mess, maybe they've got relationship stuff, but you wouldn't know because at work, they're still putting their best foot forward. And just for all the listeners, a tool that you could use to, to try to achieve that level is something as simple as practicing gratitude. I once read, uh, it's probably been a couple of years now where it said that gratitude is the alchemy of taking problems into, into possibilities, you know, because some people look at a problem and they just completely dissolve and they fall apart. But if you're always practicing gratitude, then you'll actually look, you'll see that problem and you start to look for options to, you know, to get around it, to solve the issue. So you're looking at possibilities to moving forward. And I assume that most people that are able to always put their best foot forward are people that are probably constantly practicing gratitude because they're not getting inundated by the problem. Instead, they're, you know, they're looking forward, right? Like they're, they might wake up and they might sit there and say, shoot, I'm looking at, I'm staring in the, in the face of divorce, I could choose to go into work and be this negative cloud, or I can just deal with this when the time is appropriate, right? I'm about to go into a house. I'm about to kick a door down. I'm about to put power on these engines to go fly over some mountains that don't give me a place to make emergency landing. Now's not the time to deal with that, right? Like it's just, um, but you still have to show a little bit of gratitude that you're in this position. You know, you have to look at the things that you do have, take inventory. Hey, I'm healthy. I've got a great social network. I've got a great job that I still, that I still love to wake up for. Let's go knock this in the, you know, in the whatever. And then at the appropriate time, I'll, I'll make the appropriate steps to, uh, to mitigate whatever it is that's, that's causing issue or pain or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I, that's always stuck with me. You know, gratitude is the alchemy of taking problems into possibilities. And that's like just I, I, reckon, I reckon that's excellent, Raph. There's, there's something in there. I reckon in when situations go bad, the people are able to still process what they have, like what resources do I currently have, including, you know, mental attitudes and characteristics and skills. And perhaps there's a whole bunch of physical assets that might be missing or not functioning correctly in a situation, but you're still able to right, what have we actually got here? And there'll be a solution pathway that's going to become apparent when you're clear on what you have. And I reckon that is what you're saying there in that gratitude and being clear. There are still things that I have. We might have, uh, you know, two engines are out. What do we have here? What options? And they, they're only going to become apparent then when you're focusing on what you have rather than focusing on the deficiencies. Exactly. Yeah, a thousand percent. Exactly. You know, just real quick, I'd like to underscore um, that Raph uses the word underscore and underscore that his face is just really annoying me right now. But <laughs> just, did you have an introspection about it, Mike? I kind of did. I kind of did. I, I like to I like to uh, reflect a lot every episode and Raph likes to point that out. And I just like to underscore that he still is very much a turd. Um, underscore. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. good. Yeah, good. Uh, so we can tell Mike doesn't practice gratitude. No, I don't practice big and words either. I'm going to take him as disrespect. Watch your mouth and help me with the episode. All right. <laughs> <laughs> continuing the topic. Yeah, continue the topic. Raf just had a really good point in there around, um, you know, that 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 person beside you or the person flying the aircraft might be having, you know, stuff going on in their personal life. I think that there's some, and then, and then that individual Ralph is talking about, you don't want to thinking about the divorce while they're flying towards the mountains. 
I think that there's an element of professional of the of the professional where they're able to compartmentalize their lives and they're able to have the work life, the family life, the life with friends, and they don't have problems from one spill into the other. I think that there's some element of the professional is able to put their attention and effort in the present moment where they are and and make the best of the situation they're in without having those other parts flow into the flowing in so that like we know that people have a, a problem going on at home and suddenly they're late for work or they're missing shots on the, on the pitch or whatever it is. And then you start having problems in your, in your work life or the person who's having problems at work who goes home late and is not given the attention to the family that they need. And then that spills. And so we're all going to have challenges that are going to rise in, in aspects of life, hopefully not, all of them at once. But as those people are able to keep those contained, put the attention into the area that's deficient and sort of keep the other area um, preserved or keeping it, uh, you know, totally separate such that, you know, like those are the, those are the people I know, like I've flown missions with guys who are going through serious, you know, family issues and they were still able to deliver. That you know, comes back. Some- that comes back to what Raf said, and, and that's—I mean, you're, both of you guys are hitting it on the head. But having the humility and being humble and being honest is all part of being a professional. You know, if, you know, if you want to compartmentalize a little bit, which is is fine, but you need to do it in a healthy way. You know, I yeah. you know, we we episode one. That's all I talked about was compartmentalizing pain and everything else that I've been through, and I didn't do it the right way. And, yeah. you know, so you got to be realistic, but being honest, isn't just being honest with yourself. It's being honest with those, those pillars in each one of those phases, whether it's your wife, your family, your boss, and be like, I can't do that. And, you know, Melon said it before, know when to say no, because you can't. And that's, that's just being professional as being honest. hundred percent. Exactly. Like you have just nailed it there, Mark. Like there's not, there's not a repressing and getting the jar lid jammed on top of some feelings and hoping it's all going to go away. And um, the compartmentalizing I'm talking about is dealing with that situation you're in at the time and giving it your best efforts and being able to come back to that other problem and give that your best efforts when the time is right for that. Like there, there was a time I was flying with a, a senior instructor in Australia and would going out for a, a, a pretty big mission, getting ready to, to deploy and, he put his hand up and said, I just can't fly today. Like I, I, I've come in and I thought I was right. And I've had, you know, somewhere under 90 minutes of sleep due to a new baby and the first child was sick and just all that whole thing. But he thought he was okay until the actual mission brief. And it was quite late in the prep cycle that he canceled the mission. And I was like, hats off to him. You know, that, that takes a lot of, uh, humility it takes a lot of honesty and it takes a lot of self-awareness and you're like well okay that's the guy that i want with me when i'm going downrange and crossing a border yeah i I, you know exactly we talked about like the with the nfl players you don't want to say something and get bashed on by the people in the room like from from a a ground guy if i was in a in a meeting with raf and we're getting ready to go out on this mission and raf was like dude I didn't sleep last night or for one reason and I can't do this. And he did exactly that. 
I would probably initially be like, dude, what the hell? Like, what do you mean he didn't sleep and kind of be like a little pissed, you know, because it's like you're amped up, you're, you're in the zone and you're like, dude, like we're going like, let's go. But then that would fade very quickly because I would take that step back, be, be a professional, all this stuff that we're talking about and realize, be like, dude, him being honest might've just saved our lives. Like if he wasn't paying attention, we could have crashed and, and, is this mission or doing this, is this really worth all of our lives on the helicopter? And I'd be like, dude, good on him. Like, and I'd probably seek him out and be like, thanks for being honest, man. I like, I, I love that. Yeah. There's some element of self-awareness that's needed to be able to perform at your best consistently, including the times when you don't want to, and you can get an, an over mission focus. And then you, you, you're on the pitch when you shouldn't be, you should be, you know, hitting the bench and get some ice and letting, letting someone else out there to take your place, you know, in, in whatever the analogy is on the, in the business field, whatever it is, but there's going to be times when your best efforts are not right at the moment. You need to get something sorted. And that is a mark of a professional as well. And I think it's important to note that uh, for all the listeners right now, listen, we're not saying all these things because we get it right every time. I, I'm sure I've screwed this exact, these points that we're talking about more, more times than I probably would like to admit to myself, but it, it'd be a good practice to just take a moment for everybody who's listening and just think about the times that you didn't get it right, right? That you thought you were being professional, that someone came up and said, hey, I can't do this job. I can't, you know, whether it's an office setting or whatever it is, and I can't do this because of X, Y, Z. And maybe you were upset by that, you know? And just take a moment and be like, I, I didn't, I, I didn't achieve that level of professionalism that, that we're all talking about here because it happens. We're like I said, we're human. We have emotional reactions to this stuff. Um, maybe you weren't even at your, your best that day either. So, but the, the more that you're aware of it, I think the better off you'll be for the future, whether it's short term, long term, to actually, you know, implement that best practice of actually containing your emotions and, um, you know, being, being the best, most professional version of yourself. Because you've got to be able to deliver over time, right? It's not a, it's not a single play or a single season or, a, you know, it's, and it's not even a single area of life either when we're talking about this. I think it's, there's an element, there's a, uh, a series of values that are going to have you targeting those areas of lower performance and working on it. I've got a quote here from Joe Paterno, Penn State. Oh, yeah. It's, you have to perform at a consistently higher level than others. That's the mark of a true professional. Professionalism has nothing to do with getting paid for your services. So he's highlighting there that consistent high performance and benchmarking and striving and having it, having it occur over time. And we're all going to have down days and we're all going to have off patches in different areas of our life. And the, the ability to regenerate, recoup and come back take the off season like that, that uh, sporting analogy and, and targeting wherever the deficiencies were. So you come back better or stronger or faster. Maybe it's a sales thing, you know, your, your ability to, to close a deal, you know, there's something you go and get some training and, and, and bring in some outside help and come back and target that area. Go ahead, Raph. Yeah. And I was just, just you talking about this, you know, just to give out tools of, of how to reach this level or this kind of state um, obviously we've all talked about being proactive, trying to be better, always learning, being humble. 
and you know, you guys have always heard that saying dress for success. But when I think of dress for success, I don't mean like put on a, a suit and tie because obviously in Mike's profession, you'd literally be laughed out of the building. <laughs> I think when I think of dress for success, I, I think of like you physically as a human, like, are you in the best possible state? Like, you know, and I, yeah, I'm talking about like eating better, not drinking as much, working out, making that a consistency. Because when I think of dress for success, I don't really care about the clothes that you're wearing. It's what can you can you pull me out of a burning airplane if I'm sitting next to you? Are you physically able to to do that? Like that's that's the thing that glaringly like sticks out to me. I think if you're really truly professional, I don't care if you're sitting at a desk or you're running a business or you're flying or you're in Mike's profession. Well, especially Mike's profession. Um, Dress for success is literally your ability to, to uh, reach certain benchmarks physically, you know, because you oh, don't do anybody any service if you're not phys- if you're not physically capable of doing, you know, some of these feats. And to follow on there, there can be some rituals that you go through, like the the football player getting their gear ready and putting on their football uniform. And they're getting themselves into a mental state. It's a, it's the tail end of the prep, right? Like that's not going to make up for not having done the weight training, but there's an element of a mental attitude that you can reach in the ritual of dressing for success, putting on your, your flight gear, putting on your, uh, you know, your ghillie suit or whatever it is, putting on your, putting on your business suit and tie, like, adopting that professional state that's appropriate for the mission that you're about to go into. And, you know, that's that sort of external presentation that you're taking into the world can help you cue into like a ritual to get you into the right zone and onto the frequency and, and that it's the tail end of the prep. So you go out ready to meet the day. But, but how much better would you feel if that suit is tailored to, you know, to a strong torso versus the buttons are barely holding on. Oh yeah. They're ready to bust out. And it's like, yeah, you're wearing a suit, but you, you, you know, you look fraudulent in that thing. Cause it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you know, you put me in a ghillie suit and you give me Mike's rifle and I'm not hitting a target at 800 meters. Right. Like it's just not going to happen. (laughs) But but like that dress for success, like that leaving, that leaving the, the base and going out in the right kit or having a process like a for our listeners here of that you can have a lot the last stage of prep like getting getting your mind into the mode of what you're about to go and undertake is what I'm talking about, Raph. Like you're going through flying clothing and you're getting your G suit on, your helmet and and that gear. Like it's that's the last stage of getting your mind right to then go and start engines and go. That I think a professional is uh, is at that step. I think it's great. And one thing I I do want to touch on that is a huge part of being a professional is, you know, again, we've talked about it before with leadership and a couple other things, but failure. So a couple, couple of years ago, I was at a pretty, pretty high level meeting and there was this, uh, this officer that was really high up officer kind of up on his, his soapbox and was just talking about, you know, my, my unit and he's just blowing it out his mouth, man. He's just like, failure is not an option. We don't fail here and blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff. And it was kind of talking to the group and a very well-respected senior enlisted guy who's been on missions that are 
um, very well known and also others that aren't literally raised his hand and goes, excuse me, sir. Then how do we learn? And just like hearing that from him in that room with that amount of brass, like heads turned and it was, and, but he's absolutely true. And he was just like, do you know how many times I fail in one day just getting ready for something? He's like dozens. You can't get anything perfect until you figure out how to do it for one and then perfect it, which takes practice. And guess what? You're going to not do it right the first time, the sixth time, the 15th time. But that's the whole point is what am I doing wrong? What needs to get to, to be corrected? What pieces are missing? Why aren't like, why are we failing this? What, can we look at this another way? You know, all these different things. But the whole point is being a professional and realizing the failure is the learning piece and it's a process, you know? There's a quote, I think it's attributed to Winston Churchill during World War II and it was success is going from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. I love that quote. It's so true. It's good. You know, own, owning your mistakes and owning your errors is, um, it's definitely a mindset and it's, and you know, like I think there's in there, there's that element of it's got nothing to do with being paid for what you do. It's got, it's got to do with an attitude around excellence and striving for excellence. There's an, there's an element of trying to be better today than you were yesterday. And you have to own your mistakes and errors if you're going to keep improving. And we all know those guys you know, who have done what we would objectively consider to be a perfect mission or a perfect sales or a perfect presentation. And they've got like three or four debrief points for themselves. You know, like, man, that guy is get <laughs> that's the guy we want. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. So at the beginning, I, you know, I said like, by definition, you are a paid professional. Like you are supposed to be paid to be the best in this job. In this conversation that we've had, we're literally talking about like, yes, you're getting paid to be the best in this profession. But I think the really good guys are the ones that are just like, they don't even, it's not that they don't care that they're getting paid, but that they're not even thinking about, well, I'm getting paid for this and this is my job. No, they take the personal pride in it. Like, can you guys say yes or no? Like at any one point when you're doing your job and you're just so locked in and it's clicking and it's just, you know, you feel that success rising and you're getting to where you want to be. Do you ever just be like, well, yeah, this is what I'm getting paid for. And this is the whole reason, you know? No, absolutely not. Yeah. It's, it's much more than that. That's how maybe it starts. And it's like, oh, this is a job or an opportunity, but you know, as we talked about, it's so much more. All right. So thanks. We're, you know, we'll move along here because I know that there's uh, everyone's got a lot of things on their plate. So we've heard a few things here from uh, the Phantom Fright Night, a bit of bouncing in nightclubs, some uh, drive through hot dogs and drinking the water. <laughs> and then we've gotten into um, some great points from Mike around understanding the why and taking the time to learn during the training or planning phase and owning your own mistakes and errors. From Raf, a really good piece around the ethics, humility and honesty. Practicing gratitude is the uh, is going to result in taking problems and turning them in, into possibilities, and not being overwhelmed by the negative. Having consistency and uh, 
that big stage of the preparation and then leaving the, the building with a bit of dress for success. And that quote uh, that I had there from Alistair Cook of a professional is someone who can do his best work when he doesn't feel like it. And having that inside that there's an element of self-awareness and striving and uh, always looking at the at your own performance and looking for the areas that weren't that good and uh, trying to address them. So professionalism, what does it mean to you guys? I'm sure that in, in, in what we've covered, there are, there are areas that you've seen and uh, you might have some comments for us, some bits where you've, you've got an insight that's going to help others. So please let us know. You've got not your average Mike 77, not your average Raf, not your average Paul at Gmail. Uh, reviews and, uh, you know, throwing a couple of stars our way if you feel that we're adding some value. And keep looking for in the socials for uh, upcoming live events as well. So from all of us to all of you, stay focused, stay professional, stay safe, and we'll see you all next time.